Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Tonight, or yeah, tonight, or whenever you're listening to it, right now, <laughs> presently, um, we are going to be taking you on a frightful journey through the water of your doom. <laughs> no, we will not be talking like pirates, but we will <laughs> be telling you some really scary stories having to do with lighthouses and ghost ships. Right, Carol? That's right. And living, you know, in a coastal state, we got lots of them. We do. And that's a really convenient thing when you're trying to research these different areas. So, for example, I'm going to be doing haunted lighthouses. And I started to research haunted lighthouses. And as it turns out, every single lighthouse is haunted. Every of single course one. it is. <laughs> the second it's built, there is a ghost there or, or a couple of ghosts or many ghosts attached with ghost stories. I mean, it's overwhelming how many haunted lighthouses exist in the United States, <laughs> probably around the world. But I am just like, this is insane. Every ghost, every lighthouse has a ghost. So I decided to narrow it down and just focus on the ones that are close by me personally. So I am just doing a couple off the Oregon coast, and um, they're really good ones. Great. I don't know much about those. You're about to. Get ready, Carol. All right. Here we go. I'm listening. Okay. The first one um, is about 1.2 miles off the northern Oregon coast, just off the shore of Ecola State Park, which is actually just north of Cannon Beach and south of Seaside Beach. For those of you who live here, I know a lot of you that aren't from here aren't going to care about that. Um, it is called the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse, which is also very confusing for us locals because it's nowhere close to Tillamook Rock or Tillamook Beach, which, which is in Oregon. And Tillamook Cheese Factory. And Tillamook Cheese Factory and ice cream. And ice cream. Um, so we, uh, Tillamook, Oregon is on the coast. This lighthouse is called the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse. They're nowhere close to each other. <laughs> so it's very confusing <laughs> and very odd for us Oregonians to be like, what? So anyway, the Tillamook Rock Lighthouse actually has a nickname, Carol. Do you know what that is? Ghost Lighthouse. No. Oh, okay. What is it? It's called Terrible Tilly. Oh, no. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I do, too. Um, and Terrible Tilly is called this for one reason and one reason only, because of how terrible an idea it is to build a lighthouse out on a big rock island in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> yeah. Because that's where it is. It's on a rock I've island. Seen it. Have you seen it? It is crazy. It's, it's out um, 1.2 miles off our coastline in the middle of the ocean on a big rock. And it is... Um, an incredible journey on how they even got that thing built in the first place, uh, which I will be telling you about now. Okay, picture it, everybody. I just want you to close your eyes and breathe and picture this. There is a rock that is jutting out of the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, and it's constantly hammered by big storms and wind gusts that would blow giant ocean waves over the entire rock, making it incredibly treacherous to get people and supplies onto this rock. Locals in the area agreed that it was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad idea to build a lighthouse out on this rock. It's a lot of adjectives. 
<laughs> um, yeah, they were like, don't, no, not, no, not out there. That's a bad idea. And even the Native Americans were like, no, that rock is haunted. You should probably oh, no. avoid it at all costs. So the rock itself is the haunted. The rock itself is haunted. No one likes this idea. But that did not stop our U.S. government from commissioning plans in 1878 for a lighthouse to be built on this rock. So they dispatched a surveyor out to the island to check things out. The first man to go out to assess the rock island for building had to make multiple attempts just to get to the island as the conditions were so treacherous just to dock there. He went back and told the government, man, look, I can't make it to the island. It's way too hard. And they looked at him and their glasses slid to the end of their nose and they crossed their arms and they're like, try again. Oh, my God. <laughs> we don't care if your life is in je jeopardy. We want you to try again. Uh, he finally did and managed to land and assess the island. He determined that much of the rock would need to be detonated to make it <laughs> level for a lighthouse. So not only are you dealing with these crazy waves, but you got to use dynamite, too. This will be fun. Wow. <laughs> um, another surveyor was later dispatched named John Trewavis. As he tried to secure his footing on the rock face, a giant wave came up, washed him off, and he was never seen again. Wow. They didn't even find his body or anything. That is sad for it him. It is very sad. And I definitely would not volunteer to go out after hearing that story. I know, right? Right? So, you know, the locals are already being like, no, don't build a lighthouse out there. The Native Americans are like, no, don't build a lighthouse out there. The surveyors are like, no, don't build a lighthouse out here. And the government's like, do it. Do it. <laughs> nice. We don't care who dies. Just do it. Okay. This did not stop progress, however, and another team was sent out. This time they landed successfully, collected the needed information, and were then able to plan the next phase of the project. When actual physical construction finally began in 1880, the workers had to live in tents on the island that were constantly hammered by wind, rain, and ocean waves, so they were perpetually soaked all the time. And even getting them onto the island was nuts. Because it was so dangerous to get people onto the rock, the first workers had erected a wooden crane on the island that attached to a line of rope that had at the end of it a life preserver and a pair of pants sewn into the bottom. Nope. I would just be like, you know, you guys are insane. <laughs> right? I, I mean, I would like to know how much these workers are getting so paid. So you'll understand in a bit why they even got workers at all. When the new men would arrive by boat, they would swing the crane over to them on the boat, and the men, one at a time, would put the life preserver pantsuit on and were then hoisted onto the island. Sound like a good time? The storms tortured the island so badly that at one point a nasty storm swept all of the men's food, dry clothes, and supplies off the island, and they were stranded for two weeks waiting for help. Ugh. The men nearly starved and froze to death, all the while defending themselves from angry sea lions. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Sea lions. There's angry sea That's lions, right. too. You know, and every time you go out to the coast, you always see the sea lions yes, out everywhere. there. They're everywhere. They're actually... Too many sea lions, there I've heard. Yeah. Because the conditions were so terrible and treacherous on the island, word got out to the locals about how bad it all was. The local men declined any offers to work on Terrible Tilly, which led to the government mm -hmm. recruiting men from further away. Once the new men arrived to await shipment out to the island, they were actually sequestered from the townspeople so that the locals could not warn them about what they had actually signed up to do. Wow, sneaky, sneaky. Cue evil laugh here. Whoa. Whoa, very sneaky. 
That's going to some great lengths. You know, right? Because they knew that if these guys had any inkling about what awaited them out there, they'd be like, no way. No, right. there's enough money in the world that you could pay me to send me out there. Come on. As the lighthouse was nearly completed in January of 1881, a night thick with fog rolled in off the ocean waves and embanked the island. As the men were working, they heard voices nearby that did not belong to them. That's when they realized that a ship was coming right for them. (gasps) They ran around the island and placed lanterns and lit bonfires to try to warn the ship it was getting too close. The ship heading their way was the Lupatia, and unfortunately, she was unable to stop from hitting the rocks and sinking into the sea. The next day, all 16 bodies of her crew washed up on the shore of the beach. Oh, my gosh. The only survivor was a dog that belonged to the crew. Oh. He probably dog paddled his way to the beach. Not long after the Lupatia shipwreck event, the lighthouse was open for business. It was managed by four men at a time who were stuck on the island for months at a time. Besieged by intense storms, high winds, pounding rain, and massive waves, it was not a pleasant work assignment. In fact, sometimes the waves would be so high they would wash over the entire height of the lighthouse. So, of course, being stranded out there for long periods of time, the men would start to see and hear things. During one night, all four of the keepers saw a ghost ship floating towards them, believed to be the lost Lupatia. Inside the lighthouse, they heard whispers and moans, especially as they climbed the circular staircase of the tower itself. One lightkeeper claimed that a ghost of a former lightkeeper who did not want anybody in the lighthouse chased him up the stairs. But apparently this new lightkeeper claimed he pushed the ghost back down the stairs. (laughs) How? I'm not sure. But he sounds ballsy as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, he really does. does. He's like, how dare you take over my duty as lightkeeper? You apparition? What the hell do you think you're doing? I know you're supernatural, but I'm not scared of you. Do you know what it took (laughs) for me to be this light keeper? (laughs) You know I'm in the middle of nowhere and I have no choice but to stay here, you asshole. Get back (laughs) down those stairs. That's right. (laughs) As tough as the light keeper was, however, he was eventually taken off the island in a straitjacket. Oh, my. Yeah. Driven mad by the isolation, the weather, or the ghosts, maybe all three, who knows. His ghost eventually ended up back on the island, however, haunting the place that drove him mad while he was alive. So I wonder if somebody pushed his ghost down maybe, the stairs. Maybe he, took a, maybe he and the other ghosts came up with a plan. I'm going to chase him up the stairs. They're going to turn around and come back down. You're going to be at the end. We're going to trap him in the staircase. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's what I would do. If I were like a, a mad ghost, yeah. I would be like, this is what we're... We got to work together. Yeah, yeah. So there was another spirit in the lighthouse. It was benevolent, and it liked to haunt the cylinder staircase of Tilly. He loved the lighthouse so much, he requested being buried there on the island when he was still alive, though I'm not sure he actually ever was. This was another lighthouse keeper, I guess, that was there haunting the uh, stairs. But he was a friendly ghost. He was nicer to people, I guess. Not like the first one I told you about. (laughs) However, perhaps the island itself was already haunted before the first stone of the lighthouse was even laid. It is reported that just weeks before the construction began on the torturous island, 25 people in their fishing boats off the coast of the island died when a monstrous storm hit and sunk their fishing boats. Oh, wow. Those who saw the tragedy also stated that they saw a ghost ship drifting through the wreckage to collect the souls of the victims of the storm. Yeah, that's probably what, you know, why the Native Americans thought it was haunted because they probably were witnessing, you know, ships crashing there many, many years. Yeah, absolutely. The storms out there were really no joke as the lighthouse was continuously pelted by large rocks and boulders, shattering its windows and causing flooding. 
Any telephone lines installed on the island were also cut by the nasty storms. A bad storm in 1912 ended up depositing 100 tons of rock onto the island. 100 tons of rock. <laughs> that's a lot that's of a rock. Lot, that's a lot of rock. And in 1934, a hurricane-strength storm caused a large boulder to hurtle through the top of the lighthouse tower, destroying the lighthouse lens as well as part of the railing and dock. Whoa. The focal height of the lighthouse from water level to the top of the column is 134 and a half feet. So that's a pretty strong storm. The height would be the same as nearly four full-size buses, 35 foot each, stacked nose to nose from the, the top of the water up. I love how they use as buses for measurement. I did. I just thought that would be <laughs> oh, kind of fun. Oh, to do. you did. Yeah, it was that was my idea. <laughs> it is fun. Some of the windows of the lighthouse had to be cemented over to protect it from the damage these storms could cause. Finally, on September 1st, 1957, the lighthouse was decommissioned and the island was deserted by its last lightkeeper. The lighthouse had become the most expensive US lighthouse to operate, so I suppose they had decided it was time to let it go. In the 1970s, the island was purchased by a GE executive who tried to renovate the lighthouse. He spent one night at the lighthouse, and two days later, he turned around and sold it. Whoa. Because yeah. <laughs> he was just like, enough of this? I guess. I think it was just a lot of work, and I don't think he realized how much work it was going to be. Because it was pretty demolished and badly torn apart by the wind and the rain and the waves. And plus the birds that nested there. And, and the he probably lines. was like, this is going to be too dangerous to even fix it. It's going to be too hard. It's going to be too Remodel hard. Remodel it. Either that or he was haunted by something and he got out of there. <laughs> I don't, know, I don't I, know. I'd probably go for that yeah. theory. In 1980, another group of investors bought the lighthouse and decided to turn the lighthouse into a columbarium where urns could be stored. Ugh. Yeah, right. They called it Eternity at Sea. They sold urn spots to a number of people and even stored some actual ashes there. But eventually, after the damage from storms and some vandals that broke into the lighthouse, wow. <laughs> how they got there, I don't know, and damaged, they damaged some of those urns. Those vandals can be very persistent. They can. <laughs> they were unable to get the Oregon Cemetery Board to renew their license, and the lighthouse was once again deserted. However, I discovered an article in ConnectingDirectors.com, which I guess is a funeral industry publication. The current owner, Minnie Morissette, is advertising that she would love more interested investors in helping her to restore the columbarium business, but she needs financial help to make that dream a reality. So far, there are 30 people interned at the lighthouse with a potential for 300000 So if you are interested in participating in this business opportunity, I'll include a link to the article that lists her contact information. Would you want to be buried on a haunted lighthouse? I don't think I would. It just feels really lonely to be out there, you mm -hmm. know? I don't know. Currently, it is very difficult to go out to the lighthouse. It is only really reached by helicopter, and no one is allowed out there between March 15th and September 1st because of seabird nesting season. And it is also still covered with angry sea lions. <laughs> so, <laughs> those sea lions know, right? can't risk it. And Carol, here is um, a photo of. The terrible Tilly Lighthouse. Yes. So you oh, can see wow. how intense those waves can be. That's on a nice day. That's not even a stormy day. Wow. Look at that. So with the picture I'm showing Carol shows the lighthouse on its little rock. 
and there's massive waves all around it, crashing up around it, looking like it's about ready to swallow the lighthouse and pull it down into the ocean. It really, that is exactly how I would describe it. It's just being eaten alive by the ocean. By the ocean. Very similar to that very famous photo of the guy standing in the the lighthouse uh, door and the big wave is about to wrap around and suck him out. And I've read about that story that that guy actually survived. Oh, wow. Yeah, he survived that. It's an incredible picture. What did he do? Just I don't run know. back in and shut the door I just, really quick? I think it was somewhere, was it in Germany? I can't remember but where it was, but I remember reading that that guy survived. But the photographer capturing, capturing that photo at that very second was amazing. <clears throat> Such an amazing shot. So anyway, <clears throat> that's Terrible Tilly. Well, that's fascinating. I, you know, seeing pictures of it and hearing about it, I never knew all of that history. Yeah, isn't that interesting? But I've always wondered how difficult it would be to build lighthouses out in the middle of the ocean. Very difficult, as it turns out. Very, very hard. <laughs> but if you think about it, and this is how I kind of think about it, the men and women of the 1800s would really go through some really intense terrible stuff i'm not sure anyone of our time could do it because we are so um used to our creature comforts i can't imagine having to go out and spend two weeks with no food or clothes or water because your the ocean just swept away your whole setup and now you're stuck there with angry sea lions who are trying to bite you like i can't imagine you were gonna die without power for a day i thought for 24 (laughs) hours without power my life was going to end And these guys were out there for two weeks. And I'm just, not even the two weeks, even after they got their tents, it was still hell. Even after there was a lighthouse, it was was still hell. hell. Like, I can't even begin to imagine what that's like. But I wonder how many lives that lighthouse saved. I I would, I bet uh, quite a few. And what happens now with the lighthouse not in service? Well, that's the thing. This woman and her other um, investors still own the property. It's still private property at this point, and she's trying to get that business back up and running. Yeah. Because the um, article that I read was very recent. I think it was 2019 was the date of the article. So she's still trying to turn that into a columbarium business. Um, But the Oregon Board of Cemeteries is not giving her a license because of all the issues they have out there. But I wonder, does the the light still work so that boat's coming by can see it? No, it's no longer a working lighthouse, Hmm. to my knowledge. Okay, so next, a little ways down the coastline from the Terrible Tilly Lighthouse is another lighthouse called the Hasita Head Lighthouse. Located north of the town of Florence and south of the town of Yahats, for you Oregonians, Hasita Head was erected in 1894. Named after the Spanish explorer Bruno de Hasita, the lighthouse tower is built on a cliff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. So it's actually on the mainland. It's not out mm-hmm. in, on an island in the middle of the sea. In addition to the lighthouse tower, homes were built to house lightkeepers and their families about half a mile down the forested trail from the lighthouse. The lighthouse was tended to by lightkeepers until 1963 when the lighthouse became automated and lightkeepers were no longer needed to run the lighthouse. A Queen Anne-style home used to house lightkeepers is also still there, though many of the original homes were torn down. 
1970, the home was leased by Lane Community College, which is where our story begins. The Register Guard newspaper of Eugene, Oregon, did a great article on the haunted Hasita Head Lighthouse and is my main resource here. Apparently, one night years ago, some students from the community college were visiting the home and one of them just happened to have a Ouija board handy. Oh, that's handy. As you do. <laughs> they pulled it out and started to ask questions. They asked if there was a ghost in the residence. And of course, the answer they received was yes. Hell no. Hell <laughs> <laughs> well, no, there's no ghost here. They asked what its name was and it spelled out Rue, R-U-E. How cute. And right. The story of Rue that is the most popular one, because there's lots of stories of Rue, but the one that they like to tell is that Rue was the wife of one of the light keepers that managed the lighthouse. They had two daughters, and unfortunately, one of the daughters drowned to death. They buried her on the hillside overlooking the ocean. According to local lore, there is an unmarked grave on the hillside, though I'm not sure how they know that, if it's unmarked. <laughs> there must be some kind of marking, right? Right. Eventually, Rue and her husband moved away from the area, but it is believed that after her death, Rue returned to the home to search for her daughter and to look after the homestead and lighthouse. In 1975, there were some workmen assigned to work on the house. Jim Anderson, one of the workers, was cleaning the attic window when he noticed a reflection. He turned around and saw an elderly woman in a Victorian gown staring back at him. <laughs> he bolted out of the house and refused to go back for many days. <laughs> I'm surprised, Smart man. I'm surprised he went back at all, but he... he Took a couple days off. <laughs> when he did return to the house, he refused to go inside and only worked on the house from the outside. When he started working on the attic window again from the outside, he accidentally broke it. He fixed the window from the outside, but would not go into the house or the attic to clean up the broken glass. He was super spooked. Yes, he was really freaked out. Later that night, the caretakers of the house heard some weird sounds coming from the attic, but they were not sure what it was. The next morning when they went into the attic, they found all of the broken glass swept up into a pile. What? No one had gone into the attic to clean it up, so they were attributed the chore to Rue. Well, that was so nice of her. She's a friendly ghost. She's a very thoughtful lady. In 1995, the home was turned into a bed and breakfast. The people who were hired to run the bed and breakfast have a thick ghost log in the house for visitors to record their encounters with Rue. I mean, it's pretty big. They, they have a lot of... Uh, Entries? They have a lot of, yeah, they have a lot of people who've seen her, apparently, or who said that they've seen her. One story tells that of a husband and wife who were sitting in the home's parlor when they saw a gray figure float by over to the stairs and then zip up the staircase to the second floor. If I had witnessed that, I probably would have requested to check out right now, like right this minute. Like, I'm not even going to go upstairs right. and pack my bags. You're going to do that. I'm waiting right here. Because something just zipped up your stairs, and I don't know what it is. It's like if I saw a spider in the corner, I'd be like, I need to check out right yeah. now. We're gone. <laughs> yeah. Not doing this. That's why I think we've never been ghost hunters. Because we'd be too scared. We're too chicken shit to do it. That's true. And yet, another account tells of a guest who said, as she was sleeping in the Cape Cove room, she felt the presence climb into bed beside oh, her. Oh, no, no, no. And lay next to her for a couple oh. of hours. Oh, hell no. I'm getting out of there. A couple of hours. How, like, how could you just a lay there a couple of, of hours? hours? Like, that's crazy. That's I mean, unless you're so freaked out, you can't move. And you're so cold. You're so you're like, oh, this feels kind of nice. You're paralyzed with <laughs> fear. Or else the ghost like reached over and starts to funnel you a little oh, bit. Geez. And you're like, that feels good. 
No, she said it was for a couple of hours, which is crazy. Other guests have reported having their stuff moved around or their possessions disappear altogether, only to be returned later. The housekeepers have said that after they have cleaned the rooms, they will see a depression in a freshly made bed that looks like somebody has sat on it. Wow. Yeah. Apparently, the ghost hunters that come to the Hasita Head Lighthouse request to stay in either Victoria's room, which was one of the main rooms used by the lightkeepers, or the super haunted Cape Cove room, which includes a creepy haunted staircase that leads to the creepy haunted attic. There's always a creepy haunted attic. There always is, right? This is not even the lighthouse, let me point out. This is the lightkeeper's house. The lightkeeper's house is a magnet for ghosts, and it's not even the lighthouse. It's not even the lighthouse. It's just down half a mile away from the lighthouse, actually. Currently, the bed and breakfast is in grave danger of closing as the U.S. Forest Service that owns the property does not have the funds to keep the maintenance of the house up. The family that runs the B&B has spent a great deal of money to keep it going, but due to COVID and a number of other events that have limited the revenue, they are battling to stay open and operational. They have started a GoFundMe in which they are hoping to raise $190,000 to keep it going for maintenance and other operational costs. If you guys have any interest in helping them out, I'll put the link to their GoFundMe on our website. Please check it out and look at the photos. It is a gorgeous spot. I've actually been there before. And it has amazing views of the ocean. Before COVID, it was a popular venue for weddings and other events, but now they can't even do that. It's rather heartbreaking. So if you are inclined to help save haunted and historical spots like this one, please do. So when you went, did you spend the night or just kind of check it out? Nope. We just walked through and saw everything. It was gorgeous. So here's a picture. The... um. Lighthouse is here. Oh, and then yeah. this is where the home is. Oh, wow. Isn't that stunning? I bet the views are just amazing. They are incredible. Absolutely gorgeous. That's um, the Hasita Head Lighthouse. So if you guys, you know, like I said, if you have interest in helping to donate to save the Lightkeeper's House, that'd be great because they're really battling for money on that. Um, the next one is um, the North Head Lighthouse. Thanks to Ghost Adventures for the coverage of the North Head Lighthouse and for being the source of some of my information here. At the border of Oregon and Washington, where the Columbia River dumps into the Pacific Ocean, sits the Columbia River Bar. So many ships have sunk in these waters located around Astoria, Oregon and Long Beach, Washington, that it's actually nicknamed the Graveyard of the Pacific. Since 1792, there have been at least 2,000 shipwrecks in the Columbia Bar alone, and even today, there are still at least 200 calls for help each year when ships try to navigate the bar. So a lot of ships will come up through the Pacific Ocean, Mm -hmm. they'll find the entrance to the Columbia River, and then they've got to cross from the ocean into that river because they use the Columbia to bring goods up to Portland. Yeah. And so it's very, very difficult for them to navigate because there's so many um, shallow, sandy areas that the ships will hit. And And they'll get stuck. They they will um, sink. They'll hit it and sink. So, yeah. The passage from the Pacific Ocean through the Columbia River Bar is considered to be one of the most dangerous and treacherous ship routes in the world. It is that bad. Um, Included in this area is, of course, the North Head Lighthouse, located in Ilwaco, Washington, sitting inside the Cape Disappointment National Park. And just next to the lighthouse, no joke, is a beach called Dead Man's Hollow. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's telling. Yeah, right? Clearly, this area is screaming for ghosts and or pirates. 
Dead Man's Hollow got its name in 1853 when a ship named the Vandalea crashed and sunk and the bodies of nine of her crew floated over to and washed up on a small beach known as the Hollow. The Hollow is said to be haunted by the souls of these dead men. Witnesses have even claimed to see the dead men climbing the cliffs to the lighthouse above. Hence the name Dead Man's Hollow. Cape Disappointment earned its name after Spanish explorer Bruno de Hesita discovered the mouth to the Columbia and word got back to an English captain named John Mears. Mears explored the same route as de Hesita did, but when he found the mouth of the Columbia, he thought it was just a bay and not the promised river he was searching for. So he named the area Cape Disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I didn't know how that got That's its name. That's how it got its name. <laughs> John Mears didn't know how to read a map. So, <laughs> when he got there, he's like, That's not the river. I'm disappointed. <laughs> so now the Goonies movie was that uh, was an astoria in astoria yeah yeah so if you guys have seen the movie the goonies yeah and the kids are trying to save their town the town they're trying to save is astoria in astoria yeah the north head lighthouse is still a working lighthouse it was built in 1897 and in 1898 the first lighthouse keepers were alexander prasanen and his wife mary now, the interesting thing about this is that alexander prasanen had been one of the first light keepers at terrible tilly So in 1890, Ah. when he was finally relieved of his duty out there, he came back to the mainland and married Mary. The two manned the lighthouse at North Head until Mary's mysterious death in 1923. Just before her death, Alexander took Mary to see a doctor in Portland who diagnosed her with melancholia. It was implied later in a letter written by Mary that she wanted to go off her medication, which one may assume was for her depression. The day after Mary wrote this last letter, she and her dog, Jerry, went for a walk. After a few hours, Jerry returned, but Mary did not. Alexander rented up a search crew, and the dog led them down to a point just below the lighthouse to where they found her coat. As they followed the trail, it became evident that she had slid down the hillside to the beach below. They found her body at the bottom of the cliff and were able to retrieve it before the ocean swept it away. They didn't exactly rule her death a suicide because it wasn't clear if it was intentional or an accident or if the dog pushed her like intentionally. The dog dog jumped on her. Murdered her. She lost her balance. He he murdered her. He pushed her down the hill. Yeah. (laughs) But on Ghost Adventures, they interviewed a psychic who said that Alexander and Mary had a turbulent marriage. She also picked up on an angry being in the lighthouse. The psychic believed that the angry being in the lighthouse is the spirit of Alexander Personen. The ghost hunting team went back into the lighthouse and were able to capture a few EVPs or electronic voice phenomena where when ghost hunters, they go Mm -hmm. into a location with a recorder and then they record static and they're able to hear disembodied voices essentially speaking back. For those of you who don't know, one voice they captured was of a woman's voice that said, somebody's coming followed by a man's voice that said need to know and you'll see they believe these voices were that of alexander and mary personen no one knows for sure how mary died if it was a suicide an accident or murder by her husband or her dog Uh, you know they say that if there's negative energy in a place that you're around, a lot of times it can affect your mood too. Yeah. So when the weather out there, the, the weather, weather alone, the weather alone in the Pacific Northwest is so depressing in the winter time, mm-hmm. uh, and really through spring, is it isn't until about June when things start to get a little bit better. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's rough. So. Yeah. If you don't really love 
gray days and rain. <laughs> you wouldn't like it here. And reading. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of bookworms up here. For we sure. do. Yeah. So that's the North Head Lighthouse. And those are my lighthouse stories, Carol. Those are really interesting. It makes me want to go take a trip to the coast and right? like go down and maybe look at some of these lighthouses again. That would be a fun road trip to take. Yeah. And we could spend the night at the Hasita Head if they're still open. That's right. Wouldn't that be fun? And we'd start there and then work our way up. And we wouldn't be able to go see Terrible Tilly, though. It's too far out. Right. Unless we run into a helicopter. No, thank you. Do you know how to fly a helicopter? I don't. Um, I could take lessons. I'm pretty good at learning. Okay. Let's do that. Take some lessons. <laughs> then we can go up to the North Head Lighthouse and hang out on Dead Man's Hollow. Hollow, hollow. Uh, be disappointed in Cape Disappointment. <laughs> Prophelia Podcast Network, Dark Stories from the Campfire Podcast, combines the storytelling styles of Victorian ghost stories and folklore to present to you original horror stories that'll force you to curl up tighter next to the fire. Available on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are listened to. Great, Holly. My story today is about those spooky phantom ships that are said to appear as ghost vessels running without their crew. And some to be seen with such haunting figures that it strikes cold fear into those that see them. You know, probably the most famous story is that of the Flying Dutchman. I've heard of that, but I don't know the story behind it. Well, the Flying Dutchman crashed into a rock and sank, causing the entire crew to perish in the waters near the Cape of Good Hope in South Africa. Hmm. In one version of the story, it is told that a big storm was brewing, and instead of waiting it out, the ship's pilot, Captain Hendrik Vanderdecken, bragged in his journal, quote, He would spite God's wrath and take his ship into Table Bay, despite anything that God and the elements could throw against him. Oh, probably sounds... <laughs> yeah, probably not a good idea to bet against God. He sounds pretty full of himself. <laughs> he kind of does. Overconfident, maybe. A little bit. Mm-hmm. So the legend states that the captain and the crew are to spend eternity sailing the seas as penance for their arrogance. The name, the Flying Dutchman, was not a reference to the ship, but to this captain who served with the Dutch East India Company in the 17th century. Sightings of the ghost ship were recorded well into the 20th century, and witnesses say it is seen glowing with eerie light and foretells certain doom for those that come across it. Oh. King George V and his elder brother, Prince Albert of Wales, had told of witnessing this ship in the pre-dawn hours of July 11, 1881, off the coast of Australia. Hmm. This is the quote from his logs. At 4 a.m., the Flying Dutchman crossed our bows. I saw a strange red light as of a phantom ship all aglow, in the midst of which light the masts, spars, and sails of a brig 200 yards distant stood out in strong relief as she came up on the port bow, where also the officer of the watch from the bridge clearly saw her, as did the quarterdeck midshipman, who was sent forward at once to the forecastle, but on arriving... There was no vestige nor any sign whatever of any material ship to be seen, either near or right away to the horizon, the night being clear and the sea calm. Thirteen persons altogether saw her. 
At 10.45 a.m., the ordinary seaman who had this morning reported the Flying Dutchman fell from the four topmast cross trees onto the top gallant forecastle and was smashed to atoms, end quote. But it is said that when other sea captains witness this ship, they see it as a sign of treacherous weather coming ahead and take heed to the warning by turning their ship back to safe harbor. Hmm. I would too, probably. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely don't want to be throwing out curses and dares to God. (laughs) No. Usually the weather always wins in that one. That's silly, God. I never take your name in vain or say anything against you. I I never hear that. I love you, Jesus. Of course, I have to talk about the notoriously haunted Queen Mary ship. Now, this ship ship was part of the White Star Line, Mm -hmm. which is a whole nother story in and of itself, as these ships are said to be cursed. Actually, did you know the Titanic was part of this line? Oh, really? Yeah. So that whole line is cursed. That whole line is cursed. I could could probably do an entire episode on that. Oh, wow. But the Queen Mary was another luxury ship, and it sailed a route in 1936 from England to New York for a good three years. Many of the elite from movie stars, politicians, and the ultra-wealthy enjoyed the luxury this ship had to offer. But after World War II started, the Queen Mary was transformed into warship Mm. um, because of its speed and its size. Okay. And the furniture was stripped out, all the luxury items were stored in a warehouse, and she was painted in navy gray with a new name, the Gray Ghost. Oh, the Gray Ghost. Love it. So does that mean that when she was out in the ocean, it was raining and gray and cool that no one could see her because she was like a camouflage She was like ship. a ghost, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably how she got her name. The ship was used to transport injured men and became a floating hospital with over 15,000 troops during the time it served in the war. So it saw a lot of death. Yes. Many of the crew members and military passengers ended up dying on that boat. Nobody has an exact record because it is said those listed as deceased are still sealed by the U.S. military. Mm. As the ship retired in 1967, it became a major tourist attraction slash hotel with onboard museum, conference facilities, and restaurants. Many soon started telling stories of ghosts and spirits they had seen on the ship. Mm. Accounts of a lady in white is very popular. She likes to spend her time in the ship's salon, and she's also <laughs> seen dancing in the ballroom. I like her. She's getting her hair and her she nails done, fun. and she's going out to party. She's great. Yeah. Stories are told of hearing the tortured screams of a young sailor who was killed in the engine room when he became trapped and was amputated oh. by a heavy door. Oh, like, like his leg? I have no idea. That sounds terrible. Oh, jeez. Children's laughter can be heard in the area of the nursery and the swimming pool has many people feeling as if they are being watched or sensing spirits uncomfortably close. Time magazine once listed the Queen Mary as one of the most haunted places in the world. One room in particular, room B340, is so haunted that they can now charge $499 per night despite bare-bone amenities to accommodate enthusiastic guests who love to witness the activity. So this is cool, Holly. Guests Mm -hmm. are offered a Ouija board, (laughs) tarot cards, a crystal ball, Mm. and other items like EMF detectors for those who want to hunt for ghosts. Okay. The bathroom wall in this particular room has instructions for performing the Bloody Mary ritual. (laughs) 
How convenient and thoughtful of them. Wow. No wonder that ship is demonic. I know. They're like inviting these ghosts. Yeah. Some of the complaints from guests range from toilets flushing on their own, hearing footsteps, and seeing a ghostly figure rising from the bed. In some cases, this was enough to cause guests to request their money back and leave before even the night ended. If you want to tour this ghost ship, the Queen Mary is now located off the harbor of Long Beach, California. Sweet. And, of course, I'll put the link in our credits. <laughs> Yay. I've, I've been to the Queen Mary. In fact, when I lived in Los Angeles, me and my roommate at the time went down there on um, during October Halloween haunted what, ship you days. Went, you went somewhere on Halloween without me? It How wasn't on you? Halloween proper, oh, but it was okay. in October. And they had the Queen Mary all set it up for a haunted attraction. So you go and get, there was a haunted house on the ship, essentially. That is and so cool. And you were chased cool. by monsters and they had strobe lights and it was really fun. It was a, it was a good time. Did you hear anything other than just, you know, man-made noises? Um, I heard ghost noises. But they were from. But you couldn't but they tell were the made difference. By men. You, you, <laughs> you they couldn't were made tell by the, the monsters. Uh, no, I didn't see any actual ghosts. Yeah, I would imagine if you're a ghost and you're on the Queen Mary, you're fucking pissed because you just want to be left alone. And there's people there with Ouija boards, always waking you up, or you know they're building a haunted house attraction, and people are running all over your ship. And I would imagine you'd want to move on, go yeah. some other ship or something. Right. If but you can. I don't know what the rules are of the afterworld. I'd be but. like, bring back the luxury, man. Let me, <laughs> let me enjoy right. the afterlife. Yeah. So the next story is not so well known, but it is one of my favorites. The El Caliucci is a ghost ship, which is seen as a beautiful ship carrying three masts with five sails each. This ship has several different legends. According to the people of Chile, the ship appears nightly near the Isle of Chiloé and is seen to be fully lit with people on board having a celebration, laughing, and talking very loudly. So supposedly, this ship carries the departed souls of those who have perished at sea. Another legend states that the ship is magical and helps warlocks transport various goods and travel on board the ship, getting special training to improve their magic. You know what this reminds me of? Peter Pan? No, it's like a Hogwarts school only on the sea. <laughs> of course it does. You haven't talked about Harry for a I while. I know, I know. I, I had to bring uh, back the Harry. Welcome back. Well, did you ever have any interest in going on semester at sea at college? Yeah. I did yeah, too. It would have been fun. You know, I knew several people who did that and they had so much fun, but they didn't get much studying done. Because they were making out and having sex all the time. They were they were partying on the boat. <laughs> they, they used to call it sex at sea instead of semester yeah, at sea. Yeah, that, that sounds more likely. All you parents out here that your kids come to you and say, I want to go at semester at sea. We we told you. We yeah. told you the real story. The answer is no. Unless, and no. Unless you want them coming back, you know, with a whole new set of experiences. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Variations on these stories are that the original crew of the Caliuche make dark packs with other fishermen, promising wealth in exchange for residents on land or access to information and people for malicious reasons. This version became popular when back in 1960, a huge earthquake ended up causing some homes to be destroyed or ruined by fire and others being mysteriously left completely untouched. It was rumored that the people whose homes were undamaged had made this pact with the El Caliuche crew. It was also said that there were reports of a ship dropping their anchor 
and it could be heard around the most wealthy homes in the Chilliway archipelago. It was said the ship was visiting these homes and delivering riches after the pact was made. Nowadays, most of the people in this area attribute these stories to just folklore, but the sightings are still being reported. Oh, cool. Hmm. And nice job with your enunciation. I was very impressed. I was really trying hard. I was like breaking a sweat there. No, you didn't. That was very smooth. The British naval ship called the HMS Eurydice had a tragic accident while it was out in the sea off the coast of Isle of Wight in the UK. It ran into a blizzard, Holly, in 1878 and capsized, killing all 364 souls on board. Ooh, that's a person for every day of the year. Can you have a blizzard out in the ocean? I didn't know you could. Yeah, I would assume so. Soon after, comma, people started claiming they could see the phantom ship sailing in the exact spot it sank. These sightings were so credible that a military report claimed that in 1930, a British submarine took emergency orders to evade a direct hit when the ship was seen to appear right above them. Mm. Also, Prince Edward reportedly witnessed this ghost ship while filming an ITV documentary in 1998. Oh, correct. That was pretty recent. Yeah. Now, this next story is very unsettling. Should I sit down? (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up. This one's rough. I'm ready. In 1947, a distress call was made from the Orang Midon. What is an Orang Midon? (laughs) 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 I've never heard of such a thing. When when I was practicing this, it sounded forever to me like I was saying orange, orange. (laughs) The orange, there's an orange? Maybe you should just tell me in Shadow Puppet, and I will interpret for the audience. (laughs) When I was practicing this, it sounded, I I kept thinking it sounded like orange um, me ding dong. (laughs) (laughs) Orange me dong or something like that. Anyway, that's how you pronounce it. Okay. The ship's name is Orange Me Dong, as it was passing through the Strait of Malacca. The message that was sent was by a crew member saying that everyone on board had died. His words abruptly then ended with, and now I die. The two American ships that were sent out found the ship sailing without any damage. However, once on board, they saw that the entire crew, including the dog, was dead. Mm. Uh-oh. Their faces were all twisted in horrified, scared expressions, and some were pointing at something invisible in the sky. But before the rescuers could do any further investigation, the ship caught fire and they had to quickly evacuate. Wow. After they left the ship, it then fully exploded and abruptly sank. Whoa, that sounds like a very haunted ship. Doesn't it? Yeah. It sounds Big time. super freaky. Yeah, that's weird. This was really unsettling for a lot of people, so there's been some popular theories that were tossed around. One is that the ship was carrying a poisonous chemical or nerve agent, which might have caused the twisted expressions and death of the crew. Mm -hmm. Or the other theory, and you will love this, Holly, is that they were a victim of UFO activity or other kind of paranormal attack. That could also very well be for sure. More recently, back in September of 2018, a ghost ship reappeared nine years after disappearing off the coast of Taiwan. The container ship named Sam Ratulangi, 
not ratatouille. <laughs> That's another good job with your pronunciation. Thank good you. Job. Thank you. Suddenly appeared in the Indian Ocean south of Myanmar. It was lost back in 2009 as it sailed from Taiwan to Bangladesh, and all contacts with the ship failed. Hmm. In 2018, the ship was found stranded on a sandbar and was approached by some local fishermen. When they inspected the ship, they had no idea where the ship came from, as there was no made-in-China stamp and no crew on board, <laughs> cargo, or any familiar markings. Okay. The ship weighed 26,510 tons and was 177.35 meters long. It is quite amazing how such a large ship just vanished from any radar for nine years. That is very interesting, isn't it? Spooky. Mm, spooky. The ship had obviously been abandoned, but the vessel was said to be in perfect operating condition. Mm, so it's a complete mystery. Oh. Yeah, that is weird when they find a ship that's perfectly fine and no one's on board. It's like, why would you leave Abandoned. a ship that is fully stocked and working? And Yeah, especially if there's booze on board. Yeah. There was a couple of these that I, you know, was researching and I'm like, there was alcohol on board and they deserted. <laughs> and they left? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Well, it just makes you think that maybe there are pirates, but then the pirates would take the ship too, right? And the beer. And the beer. Aren't the pirates people? known for rum? Yeah. And opiates. It's got to be cannibalistic rats on board. That's my theory. Maybe. Hmm. Hey, did you ever watch the Love Boat series when yes, you were younger? Yes, of course. You know, I really thought being a cruise director like Julie McCoy would be so fun. Yes, it would. So this next story is all about love. Love, love, unrequited love, jealousy, and possible murder. <laughs> <laughs> they all go together so well. That's right. Thank yeah. you. It was the day before Valentine's Day in the year 1748. The Lady Lovabond was set to sail as a celebration voyage with the wedding crew from the captain, Simon Reed's recent wedding. However, it was said that the captain's best man was secretly in love with his bride, and out of mad jealousy and rage, volunteered to steer the ship, escaping the party, leaving the captain to enjoy his honeymoon festivities. Mm. Some say due to his inexperience or his broken heart, he decided to steer the boat into the dangerous Goodwind Sands of the English Channel. The ship was caught in the channel, killing the entire wedding party, mm. and everyone on board drowned, including himself. Oh. This area is still known as one of the most dangerous passages and covers a nine-mile stretch of sea. Mm. Over 1,000 shipwrecks have been recorded in this area since 1298. Oh, it wow. is said the ship can be sailing around Kent on the anniversary every 50 years, and witnesses reported seeing the ship in 1798, 1848, 1898, and as recent as 1948. Huh. In 1798, the captain of the ship Edinburgh said he almost collided with the Lovey Bond wow. and heard sounds of a merriment as he watched the ship break up before his eyes. Oh. In 1948, a sighting was claimed by Captain Bull Presswick saying he saw the ship surrounded by green haze as it sunk into the sands. Green haze. I wonder why green haze. You know, I heard that with the Philadelphia experiment that there was like a green haze around the ship before it you know, disappeared. disappeared. Wasn't that like a time travel experiment mm -hmm. of some kind? Supposedly. Huh. Interesting. So, 
Maybe green haze accompanies like boats from beyond. Maybe. There have been rescue boats sent out thinking the boat was stranded, but on approach seeing nothing even resembling a boat. Hmm. In 1998, due to its popular legend, many people attempted to sail out to the sands and watch for the doomed Lady Lovey Bond, but they were all sad when no ship was seen. Hmm. Did you know it was superstition that women were considered bad luck to be on a ship? No, I didn't. There are several theories as to how this belief came about. One is that the ocean is female, and to bring a woman on board a ship would cause great offense to the ocean, and of course, competition for the mermaids. <laughs> yeah, those mermaids can be pretty vicious. Yeah. I, I've heard about that. And despite this belief, though, there are several historical accounts of women pirates, and many went out to sea dressed as men. Oh. They're like, we won't be forbidden from That's boating. Right. Give me that peg leg. I'm going out there. <laughs> That's right. The most likely theory, though, is that women became a distraction on board, and they typically weren't able to perform ship duties, so men felt they were only going to cause problems. Don't you think it's ironic that they would have naked busts of women carved into the mast of the ship? And many ships were named after women. I think it's also funny that a ship's first trip out onto the sea is called a... Maiden voyage. Thank you, Holly. And that's it. For our crazy lighthouses and, and crazy ships. ghost ships. Well, and ships are always referred to as females. Like, they mm -hmm. always go, she, I'm going to get her out on the water, blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah. Interesting. Like, the, the ship is a lover or something. Freud, where are you when we need you? <laughs> All the parts of the ship are so crazy. Like, during that part where I was doing the quote of the, of the captain... And he was talking about all the parts of the ship, the top gallant forecastle and the top mast cross trees and the, and the bow. And I'm like, I don't know any part. Of what <laughs> what are you was. talking about? I have no idea what, what this means at all. Might as well be talking Portuguese. Like, right. I have no idea what any whole... of those parts mean. But yeah, there's the starboard side. And then what's the other side of the ship? The rear side. <laughs> there's a starboard and then there's another side and then they call it that so that the sailors know which side to go to. There's and then the, the mid deck, the quarter deck. Yeah. Then there's the mast and the And the bridge. And the bridge and, and the, the bow goalie and the, the I mean, I don't know. There's so many things. Mm-hmm. All I want to know is where's the bar and where's my bed? Okay, I gotta drink some water so I can get ready to stumble over my words like I like to do. You sound like you got a lot of saliva in your mouth today. Do I? Oh my a god, of, that's embarrassing. You, you know why? It's because we've been eating check. Chex we're all mix. salty. Oh my god, because we're talking about the sea. We've yeah. been eating checks mix, and our mouths we are have, all salty. We have salty. If air, you notice the brine. Like, some foam around my mouth, I want you to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I matey okay as a contest yeah as a contest so we thought if you wouldn't mind um or if you want well, let's cut all that shit out <laughs> if, if you <laughs> god damn this is so hard okay and just answer this question which two stories did carol say were ex uh god or just <laughs> oh wait <clears throat> 
Did you say virgin or virgin? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we haven't made sex jokes in a while. No, it's we've we're been bringing a, it back. We've had a dry run. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, then I need a cigarette after this episode. Let me, let me lube my throat here with some water. <laughs> <laughs> had a tragic accident while it was out in the sea off the coast of Isle of Wight in UK. In the UK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're starting to lose our, ourselves now. Oh, wait. <laughs> Scratch the master class. In the UK, it ran into a blizzard. <laughs> As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.